I'm not sick, but I'm not well. I don't have coronavirus, though. It is Wednesday, March 25th, 2020, and you are listening to Johnny Knows Best. I'm your host, Jonathan Mays, and uh, this is episode 56 of Johnny Knows Best. This is the coronavirus crisis part four. That's right. We're in the fourth part of this crisis. Who knows how many parts are going to be in this crisis because it seems to be never ending. You know, some of y'all are on quarantine uh, right now with me. Um, This has been going on for like a last week or so. This is officially week two of quarantine. They want everybody to stay at home um, unless you absolutely have to leave or unless you're, you know, you got to go to work. If you're a central employee, if you're one of these essential people, they have to be at work. Um, they want you to to try not to go outside unless you can absolutely help it. So I know a lot of y'all are going stir crazy. I know a lot of y'all want to leave and want to be able To live your lives like you were like a couple of weeks ago. Um, But this might be the reality of the whole situation is this might be the new normal with um, how things are going. This might be our reality for a very long time. May go a little bit longer than a couple of weeks is what I'm saying. Um, It's like this could go for months at a time. So we're all going to have to figure this out. Together, as Americans, as people of the world, people all around the world, we're all going to have to try to figure out how to survive this whole coronavirus situation. But uh, that's why I'm here. I'm here to help. Um, Thank you for listening to my show. Thank you for clicking on my show. I got a pretty good show for y'all today. Um, My friend, my good friend, Mike Jensen of, uh, well, I just know him from Facebook. I've never met him personally, but we did have a pretty good conversation, um, a few nights ago that I recorded for this podcast. And I I think I'm not going, you know, up and beyond by calling him a friend. Um, Mike actually had a lot of great opinions on coronavirus and how it's affecting him and his family and uh, how it affects pro wrestling. We we had a good long pro wrestling talk, and uh, and we also talked about the first part of the Chris Benoit documentary that's uh that's uh airing on Vice. Um, they aired part two last night, but uh, me and Mike haven't had a chance to talk about that. But uh, we should be discussing it. Probably either in the very next episode of Johnny Knows Best, episode 57, or episode 58. I don't know. Because I, I've recorded a lot of content in the last uh, two or three days for this show. Um, because I've been at home, so I've had nothing but time to record for this podcast. So uh, that could be in the next episode. Um, episode 57, or it could be in 58, but uh, I'm going to uh, sit down with Mike, and we're going to talk about part two of that Chris Benoit documentary, but we talked about the first part of the uh, Chris Benoit uh, documentary, 
and we discuss it in great detail. And you're going to hear that uh, in a few minutes. But before we get into that, there's like a couple little things I wanted to talk about and get off my chest before I get into the conversation that I have with Mike. And uh, a lot of little things to discuss. Um, it's probably why I'm going to be doing a lot of recording this week because there's just so much going on to talk about. I mean, uh, even though we're a lot of us are quarantined, a lot of us are stuck in our houses. It's not for uh, because there's a lack of stuff to discuss um, with this whole coronavirus thing. Um, I know a lot of y'all are getting sick of talking about it. A lot of y'all are getting sick of hearing about it. But uh, it's a history. It's a historic thing. You know, nothing like this has ever happened in our lifetime. So we have to talk about it. We have to discuss it. And y'all just going to have to suffer through it. Like I have to suffer through, you know, a lot of the nonsense I read that y'all post all the time. But <laughs> I'm, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the first thing I want to talk about is how people are not taking coronavirus seriously. I know there's a lot of y'all. There's a small contingent of y'all that don't actually believe that the coronavirus uh, situation is a real thing. You don't actually believe, think it's a big conspiracy that uh, maybe China released the virus to uh, kill off their population and control their population. Or you think it's a, a United States conspiracy because it's an election year and it's not real and it's all just a plot to get Trump elected or reelected. Or some of y'all just don't believe, y'all just think the whole thing is a hoax. And, uh, you know, that's not for this episode to debate whether or not coronavirus is a real thing. We won't even get into that. But I can say that uh, as far as all the celebrities that have popped up having coronavirus, we've talked about some of them in the last few episodes. Um, first there was Tom Hanks, he was like the very first one, and then Charles Barkley, Idris Elba, uh, Kevin Durant, we've talked about those in the past episodes, and now, you know, uh, as of right now, uh, I'm recording this third Wednesday, it's Wednesday, I'm recording this Wednesday afternoon, and, uh, Slim Thug, the rapper from Houston, has also, uh, contracted coronavirus. He's also tested positive. And he came out and, uh, you know, he announced it on his Instagram. It seems to be like a lot, a large number of celebrities announcing this on Instagram that they have coronavirus or they, that, they, that they tested positive. And I know that's putting a lot of doubt into this whole thing for a lot of y'all. Y'all, a lot of y'all thing is just, it's just too convenient that a lot of these celebrities are testing positive all of a sudden and they're all coming out one by one. And I agree with you. It, it, it is kind of weird. It, it is kind of strange. I admit, when I heard that Kevin Durant had coronavirus, that, that was like the first red flag for me. Um, because when Kevin Durant says something, I don't immediately trust him because we know he'll say one thing and he'll go to another team. So, I don't know. I don't know if every celebrity that's coming out saying that they have coronavirus, I don't know if they actually have it or if it's just a bunch of bullshit. 
I do see y'all's point when y'all say that. That I do agree with. You know, every celebrity is coming out saying this. They could be full of shit. But I think overall, it's a real thing. I don't I don't think it's a hoax. It's just too widespread to be a hoax. I don't think it's like a hoax that the whole world, like all the government people in the world, around the world, are pulling over the, the, the public. I, th I do believe it's a real thing. Now, is it as dangerous as people are saying that it is? I don't know. Um, I think time will only tell. But I know that it's spread a lot. A lot has happened in two weeks. That I do know. And uh, it's something that we really need to delve into and we really need to discuss. And uh, that's what today's podcast is going to be about. It's going to be about the coronavirus, uh, how it affects Pro wrestling, how it's affecting WrestleMania, which is less than two weeks away now. I think it's like, what, 11, 10 days away? Um, they're, re they're recording WrestleMania 36 right now. And uh, and it's just, this whole thing is going to change our world from here on out. But uh, I'm about to get into the conversation that I had with Mike. Um, you can listen to that in its entirety. I got actually play the whole thing without having to edit it or cut it up because it didn't cut off one time, which is a pretty remarkable if you've done a podcast with me. You know, it usually cuts off. But I actually talked to Mike for like over an hour and didn't cut off. Um, yeah, so I'm going to play that, and then uh, I'll come back on in the end and close the show out. Hello. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. How's it going, man? How you doing? It's going okay, man. How you doing? Fantastic. Just got done doing PT stretches and time on the treadmill for my knee after the surgery. So doing good. <laughs> That's good. Um, now, I should warn you, like, I'm on my data right now. I'm not on Wi-Fi because my Wi-Fi dips. Um, cause I live kind of like way out in the middle of nowhere and my data signal may go off. So what may happen is it, we may be talking and we may get cut off, but I can just keep adding you back though. Hey, that works for me, man. That's fine. All right. So if that happens, uh, just let me know, just like message me or whatever. Let me know. And, uh, I'll just add you, I'll just clear it out and add you back. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so anyway, it is Sunday, March 22nd, 2020, and I'm talking with my, my friend Mike Jensen, who agreed to come on Johnny Knows Best. Uh, thank you for joining me, Mike. I appreciate it, because I really didn't want to record by myself tonight. Hey, no problem at all. My girlfriend and my daughter both fell asleep. So I just checked on them a minute ago. They were both still passed out downstairs in her room. So I figured, you know, I need something to occupy myself after doing all that PT and stuff. So sounded good. Yeah, to man, that's, that's got to be rough. Uh, do you have to do that like so much every day? Uh, yeah, they want me to start out doing it twice a day to start getting the knee moving again because at this point um two weeks out i think almost exactly from the surgery so 
It's getting better, though. Well, that's good. I'll bet uh, I'll be healed up uh, very fast. Yeah, so do my bosses at work. <laughs> right, I bet. Um, I'm actually uh, I'm actually out of work right now because of the whole coronavirus thing. Um, the main uh, the main place where I work at, they're only uh, open from twelve to eight now. Uh, I'm a cook at I'm a cook at the restaurant, and um, so they had to. Uh, you know, cutting down everybody's shifts because it's, it's slow right now because they're, uh, you know, takeout only. And so I don't have any shifts for this week. Uh, so I should, I have a lot of time on my hand. Well, in my case, I actually would probably be very busy at work if I was at work and, you know, not out with my knee right now because I work at a grocery store right now. Oh, my gosh. Time. So I work at Hannaford's, actually in center store, putting stuff on the shelves. And I usually work 4 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. So I probably would be running around insane right now if I was actually at work. I imagine so, so man. It's got to be crazy right <laughs> now. I mean, I've seen pictures of, like, the shelves and stuff like that that some of my friends from work have sent me in. I mean, I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. Never expected it ever, obviously. It's just insane to me. Yeah, the whole this whole situation is insane. What do you think about this whole coronavirus thing? How long do you think it's going to last? And what are your overall thoughts about it? I mean, in my case, I have a mother who has lupus and has already dealt with cancer. She had a tumor in her abdomen that she had to have removed. Oh, wow. And then my daughter is, you know, five years old and has asthma. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I have to, you know, have that in the back of my mind, worrying about people that are close to me that have pre-existing conditions that could have issues with this. Not to mention, I have a grandmother who's 88 years old, who just actually turned oh, wow. 88 the other day. So happy birthday to her. Happy birthday, um, <laughs> but it hits closer to home when you hear about, you know, having to worry about it more so if you're older or have pre-existing conditions. And, you know, in my case, there's three people close to me that, that, you know, they fall under that umbrella. So I tend to, you know, focus on it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Right. It's gotta be, uh, forefront in the in the front of your mind because of all the people in your life that it could affect absolutely so you know a lot of cleaning and you know washing of hands and <laughs> yeah that's one thing is a must <laughs> that's one thing that really was uh irritating me this morning because i've seen several people post about like okay why do i have to like stay at home um, this doesn't affect me, you know, if, if you do get it, you know, as long as you have a strong immune system, um, it doesn't, you should be fine. It's just nothing, it's no different from having the flu. And, you know, that really upset me this morning. I'm like, okay, you know, it's not all about just people that, uh, you know, that are healthy. There's lots of people out here that are, are you know, we, we have health issues like myself. Um, I have a low immune system because of my, my brain 
a neurological issue. And, uh, you know, the elderly and the young, you know, it's not just about the healthy. And I just wish people would have would have a better attitude about it like you do. You know, it, it affects everyone. It affects everyone that, you know, people that you know. I mean, absolutely, because, I mean, for an example, my daughter has a nebulizer, you know, breathing treatment machine for, you know, like allergy season and stuff like that, because, you know, when she runs around the yard and everything else, you know, when there's pollen in the air and stuff like that, it can really, you know, come on thick on her lungs and stuff to the point where she has to do the breathing treatment and calm her lungs back down and everything. So... Something like this is something I have to think about. And, of course, she's going, you know, crazy being, you know, stuck mostly in the house. Right. You know, the yard and stuff. So (laughs) at five, she doesn't completely get why, you know, she can't go into the stores and stuff like she normally would. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's difficult for the kids that are out because they're not really seeing like the entire scope of this like we are in the media and you know social media and stuff so they don't quite realize what's going on but i kind of envy them in in a way because they don't have to see everything that's going on they don't have to be stressed out about it you know they can just be kids absolutely like as the old saying goes ignorance is bliss and mm. they can you know, sit there and enjoy all of these other things that, you know, they love to focus on without having this stuff in the back of their mind, you know? Yeah. So that's a great thing. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> I, I, I kind of wish I was ignorant to a lot of things that are going on. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, um, the coronavirus thing, how it has, uh, you know, I'm a big wrestling fan. I know you are too. How long have you been a wrestling fan? And, how how do you think uh, this whole thing is going to affect how we how we watch wrestling now? Well, I actually was talking to my daughter about this the other day, and it's awesome because my five year old daughter is actually a wrestling fan now too. Really, and, that's great. Oh yeah, and I actually have tickets for uh, a dynamite taping for AEW coming up for Boston in it was in April, but it's being rescheduled now to August. Um, but I actually became a fan myself at her age, right, right. around her age at five. And um, How I remember I'm 36. Okay, so roughly, I'm a little older than you. I just turned 37, but we're in the same age group. Yes, exactly. Right. So... I remember, like, vividly, my first memory of pro wrestling was Randy Savage versus Tito Santana for the Intercontinental title. <laughs> right. Yes, sir. Like, like I remember the first match, and Randy Savage is the one who really got me hooked on professional wrestling. Great. With, like, of all time. The music, the presentation, you know, the robes that he would wear. Like with the sunglasses and everything else, and then Miss Elizabeth with him too. It, mm-hmm. it was eye catching, and just I loved the character, loved his promos and everything. He was just, I, he was always one of my favorites. Okay. <laughs> so your daughter, who uh, who does she like now? Actually, right now, one of her favorites is uh, the New Day. 
<laughs> she that. loves them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, John Cena. What, she's <laughs> she a John Cena fan? John Cena. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. I liked him a little bit more at, you know, at first when he first started doing, you know, the rapping gimmick and stuff. Because I thought it was kind of, you know, tongue-in-cheek kind of funny and stuff. And then he turned into, you know, Super Cena, as some of the fans called him and everything. And But now at this point, I, I have that respect for him where he's been doing it forever and everything. And, I mean, I don't hate John, but he's not, like, a favorite of mine. I, you know, I have respect for him, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so would you say that you're more of a WWE guy or do you like AEW more or where do you stand on that? Uh, well, right now, I mean, I've been watching WWE since I was five. So you're a lifelong WWE fan. Yeah. But at this point, like I've watched a whole bunch of different promotions. Um, I mean, I love AEW at this point. What they're doing is awesome. Love the presentation. Um, like for example, I loved the last episode they did. Oh, with, I did too. You know the debuts mm-hmm. of uh, Matt Hardy and um, Brody Lee. Brody Lee, right. Luke, formerly Luke Harper. Yes. There we go. That was awesome as the exalted one. That you know those shows, I, they've been great lately for me. And uh, love Jake the Snake being on there too. Yes, that me, was cool, I do too. Awesome. I've always been a big Jake Roberts <laughs> fan, so I, I love seeing him again. And that he's he's still so like he's so healthy now, and you can tell that like he's he's his mind is in the business. Again. I love that, and that's a fantastic thing because he could be creatively, I believe, a huge asset for AEW mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Yeah, because he's always had a great mind for the business. Mm-hmm. As you, you know, those that have always been watching have seen with his promos and presentation and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that he could really be, you know, a big creative piece for them if, you know, he's on that straight and narrow. Not just him, but, you know, they got uh, they got Arn Anderson and Diamond Dallas Page and Dean Malenko and uh, all those guys from behind the scenes can land so much uh, knowledge and information. I think AEW is going to be around for a long time. I know they just got uh, Tony Khan just said that they signed a four-year deal on uh, TNT. And, you know, they got the second show coming pretty soon. And yes. they're going to be around and for And right a now they also, have, they also have Dark on uh, YouTube right yes. now, too, which is very good. Yes, I love AEW Dark. It uh, produces – it shows a lot of uh, up-and-coming wrestlers, independent wrestlers. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of uh, independent uh, wrestling friends, so I really do like how AEW, the way they showcase their talent. Absolutely. And it's funny because one of my daughter's favorite wrestlers overall is actually from New Japan Pro Wrestling because she started watching it with me. And she got really into uh, the stable Los Ingrenables de Japón, L-I-J, uh-huh. which is headed up by Tetsuya Naito. She loves Tetsuya Naito. Oh, really? Huge Naito fan. Yeah, absolutely. Like, she'll do, like, the fist pose and everything. Like, she loves Naito. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So she's got, like, already a diverse taste for wrestling, just like her dad does, so... 
that's such a great thing, man, that, um, you know, you letting your daughter, like, experience different promotions and just love what, whatever she loves. That's what, one thing that I was talking to uh, my friend Will in the last episode. Um, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, pro wrestling wasn't just one thing. It wasn't just about uh, you. You had the people that could wrestle, like Randy Savage and Tito Santana, and uh, you know um, Ric Flair. But then you had the over-the-top characters like the Ultimate Warrior and the Undertaker, and it wasn't just about it was just one thing. And no matter what, there was something for you know everybody to like. And uh, I think nowadays, uh, some people, they forget that. Um, and, then, you know, they shame other people for liking AEW. Or they shame people for liking WWE and NXT. But uh, really and truly, rest, pro wrestling is for everybody. I mean, absolutely. And, I mean, you can take note of that from, like I said, my daughter. Mm-hmm. She likes wrestlers from, you know, multiple different companies. Right. Because the first T-shirt now she has for any wrestler was a Young Bucks T-shirt that she picked out from Pro Wrestling Tees website. Mm-hmm. I let her pick one out, and she picked a Young Bucks T-shirt. I think it was called like Super Kick Party, and it shows like a bunch of different parties on these panels with like little comic strips and stuff. It's you know kind of cute and funny and stuff, and so you know she was all excited to take a picture with me wearing a Nido shirt and both of us wearing a shirt and um but the funniest thing to me is like to the other extreme like she'll pick a character that she doesn't like and she's picked out right now she does not like Baron Corbin at all <laughs> King Corbin despises King Your Corbin daughter has great taste every time <laughs> every time he comes out she immediately gets this sour-ass look on her face and looks at me like, oh, Daddy, it's King Corbin again. <laughs> yeah. I used to um, – I kind of agree with your daughter. Like, I used to – I couldn't stand Baron Corbin for the longest time. Yes, yes. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he's grown on me a bit because I see that he, you know, he actually is uh, – a. An, a, a good heel. He really is a good heel. He's good at what he does. But uh, I'm talking when like they first when he first came off of NXT. First of all, I never was really into him when he was in NXT. But when he first came to the main roster, I could not stand Baron Corbin. But uh, I'm a he's grown on me a little bit. But he's he's definitely not in my top five. I would say. Uh, at this point, I don't. I don't think I'd put him that high. No. But he's definitely, <laughs> he's definitely grown on me more so. I mean, I could appreciate it because I've seen him have some good matches in NXT with a few people mm-hmm. too, and it, he does have some talent for sure. And he does have that character that can be grating and really get on your nerves to the point where you're just like, oh my god, I hope somebody kicks his ass. Yeah, I believe like, that's because he's an asshole in real life. He's like Randy Orton. He, that's just like his natural personality, I think. Oh yeah, he's definitely one of those people where his on-screen persona is him with the dial yeah, definitely. just a, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, 
How do you feel about Roman Reigns? He's another one that, just like John Cena, he's not a favorite of mine, but I've got that begrudging respect for him because I actually do know that he's not a terrible wrestler and he can cut a promo when he gets a chance to and he's not, you know, rigorously scripted, you know, and told what to say. He does have charisma and a personality. Yeah. When he's allowed to show, when he's allowed to show, and when he's not scripted, he's uh he's really good on the mic, he, absolutely. Um, and then by extension of that, you can look at uh John Moxley, uh, aka Dean Ambrose. You know, now that he's uh gone on to AEW and just the star that he has become, or I guess that he always was, but they just never let him show it. You know, they always scripted him and had him doing stupid things. It's it's good to see that he's finally, you know, uh, becoming, well, he's the AEW champion right now. You can't get any higher than that. Absolutely. And when you think about it, he's one of those people that when he left WWE, I think he can, you know, go further, obviously, and he's proven that than he you know, was allowed to go there because he's allowed to show more of himself. And I think Brody Lee is going to be another recipient of that because he's now going to be able to show more of his personality and actually be able to, you know, speak and show that he can cut a promo and has some, you know, intelligence and, you know, can exude personality and be something on television and not sit home for three Absolutely. I, I was telling my one of my friends that the other day that I'm really proud of Brody Lee that he's finally there so he can show what he can do now. The, the fact they're going to give him time to talk and let him be himself is really great. He specifically mentioned and I mean I noticed it because I pointed it out to my girlfriend because she was watching Dynamite with me, the, the line from Brody Lee when he was revealed as the exalted one, when he specifically said to Christopher Daniels, you're not the first out-of-touch old man to not believe yeah, in me. Shot at but you will damn sure be the right. last. Exactly. It was a direct shot at Vince mm-hmm. McMahon. He didn't have to say his name, but he yeah. said his name. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I just don't think they ever realized what they had in him. And, um, you know, he used to cut promos on NXT. Um, he cut a few, but uh, once he got to the main roster, you know, they put him with Bray Wyatt, which still should have been something, but we'll get into that in a minute, how they've uh, messed up Bray Wyatt. But, you know, they never really gave Brody Lee the, the platform that uh, he needed. Um, he always was a star. And now I think you're going to really get to see that on um, AEW. I know a lot of people are against the, the exalted one, uh, him being the exalted one, but I'm, I just wanted them people to give him a chance. Let him show what he can do. Absolutely. And to be honest, since you mentioned the NXT thing and him going up to the main roster, and honestly – you could do a whole nother episode just on people that looked fantastic in NXT 
and were given chances to shine and then moved up to the main roster and question yeah. mark. You can do a list <laughs> of people. Apollo Crews comes to mind. Absolutely. God damn they it. Really just, they really <laughs> dropped the ball with him more than uh, most of – they dropped the ball with a lot of people, but I always think of him when, when people mention people they dropped the ball with. He's one of the first names that comes to my mind. They just gave up on him. And uh, it does make me nervous about someone like Keith Lee or someone like The Dream. Oh, God, absolutely. Because, you know. Without a doubt. You know that that's the first. uh, You know they want to move Velveteen Dream up. And at some point they're going to move Keith Lee up. You can tell already. And uh, it makes me nervous. Or what about Undisputed Errors? Yeah, Undisputed Errors, too. Undisputed Errors, another one. Yeah, you know, all those guys, are, they're just so talented. And I I wouldn't mind if uh, I know uh, Johnny Gargano, like, there's a few guys that don't want to move up. Um, and uh, they want to stay in NXT. And uh, I think uh, – if you really want to establish it as a third brand and not just like a feeder system, it it might be best to just let some of those guys just stay in NXT and, you know, develop NXT as a product. Oh, yeah. Like uh, like you mentioned, Johnny Gargano is a, a mm-hmm. prime example. Tommaso Ciampa yeah, is another Tommaso one. Doesn't grow up uh, there, was those re- there was reports that Ciampa actually told, you know, officials that he would retire. Mm-hmm if they tried to move him to Raw or SmackDown because he wanted to stay in mm-hmm. NXT. Because I really do feel like he would get lost in the shuffle or he'd be driving to the Miz or something, you know? I really do. And speaking of jobbing to the Miz and NXT, there's yeah. Finn Balor who moved back to NXT and look yes. at him now. Like, he looks, you know, 10 times better the athlete and superstar that he was on the main roster and he won the universal mm-hmm. title. I mean, it everyone forgets about it because he got hurt and had to give it up the next night. But everyone can sit here and think for a few minutes and it would honestly take most people time to try and strain their brain and remember what he did on the mm-hmm. main roster. And he won titles. A couple titles. But most people would be like, damn, what did Finn do on the main roster? Yeah, who do you think uh, Who do you think they for- forget about more as universal champion? Finn or Kevin Owens? Finn? Finn. I would say Finn. I would say Finn yeah. without a doubt. Because at least with Kevin Owens, you had things like the Festival of wow, Friendship... Great. And stuff like that, where there was actual like, and him getting squashed by you know Goldberg, yeah. who went on to lose the title to Lesnar. But there was enough there with his reign where you remember it, and you know, Finn's he only held the belt for twenty four hours basically, and then he had to surrender it because he got injured. So a lot of people even forget mm-hmm. that he had it. Yeah. He's the first uh, universal champion. I know, and that's the mm-hmm. ironic part. He's He was the first man to actually right. hold it, but he only held yeah. it for a day. 
Yeah, it's a shame that uh, they never really uh, went back to that when he got better, and uh, he kind of just he kind of just floundered a little bit on the Raw. Um, I mean, they, they like glanced over it that when he had that title match against Lesnar at the mm-hmm. Royal Rumble, but for the most part, they forgot about it. So why would? the fans be mostly expected to remember that he yeah. won the title. I mean, sometimes the announcers would mention it, but it, it kind of, I feel like they diminished him a, a lot of the times and they didn't give him the respect that you would figure the first universal champion would deserve. You right. Know what I mean? right. Um, we've talked about a lot of guys that have been, uh, that have floundered on the main roster. A lot of guys that have been jerked around. But uh, one guy, I think, oh, yeah, Cesaro, Cesaro too. <laughs> yeah, Cesaro, definitely. He, no, you're right. He definitely, that's not who I was <laughs> going to say, but, yeah, he definitely has been jerked around and probably should have been a world champion a long time ago. Cesaro, how long has he been with the, I mean, how long has he been with WWE? There are so many things with him you could build off of to make him a credible, even if you wanted to make him a heel mm-hmm. world champion. The man speaks, what, five or six different languages. He's got ungodly strength for a man of his size. He's got, you know, agility. There's, It would be mm-hmm. easy to make him a world champion. And it boggles my mind that they weren't able to figure out a way to market him as I don't champion. think Vance was ever big on him. Um... If you go back and remember the Stone Cold's podcast when he had Vince McMahon on, I think Stone Cold asked him specifically about Cesaro, and Vince just didn't—he uh, yeah. doesn't get him. Yeah, because he basically didn't think that he mm-hmm. could cut a promo, which he's, which he has proved before. He can do it in five different ways, and. Exactly. There's guys that can't put a, cut a promo in English, and he can cut a promo in five or six yeah. different languages. So that can't really be used as a viable excuse as to why this guy has not been at the top of the card at some point, especially when he was around during a point in time when there were two different money mm-hmm. in the banks. Yeah, he definitely should have won. He could have easily been getting yeah, one at of those some point. He definitely should have won money in the bank. I agree with that definitely. Um, but that's a guy that if he ever, I don't know, like how long his current deal is, but if that's a guy that if he ever got out of WWE, this guy would go so far in AEW um, if he ever crossed over. Like he really would. Ab- absolutely. I mean. Look what they've done mm-hmm. with Pac so far. Or Pac, excuse me. And I mean, now he's teaming up with... Uh, oh yeah, Lucha Bros. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Oh, brain cramp. That's a great stable, <laughs> too. I like that stable. The yes. Death Triangle, yes. Um, no, but uh, who I was going to um, mention a while ago about some guy that they've ruined um, is Bray Wyatt. Uh at the beginning, um, when they first brought him up from NXT, oh. this guy had the best Talking about character Bray, since The Undertaker. 
I love Bray Wyatt. Talking about Bray's career, honestly, the second you brought his name up makes me just... That's why I had the big sigh. Because since the very beginning, his character in NXT with Luke Harper and Eric Rowan with him, before they called him up, I was like, dude, they've got gold Mm -hmm. on their hands here. As long as they handle this correctly... This guy could be the heir apparent that they were looking for to replace mm-hmm. the Undertaker as that spooky, spiritual, you know, figure that kind of is in the wings and kind of has that scary effect over the arena I and the him. crowd and everything. I liked him even before that when he was just like a cult leader, even before like they brought all the supernatural, like. Uh, Sister Abigail stuff into it. I like it when he was just, you know, when the gimmick, I think they messed the gimmick up. Uh, they kept just adding more and more supernatural aspects to it to the point where it got to where he was funeral with Randy Orton to the point where it just it got ridiculous. Uh, the Randy Orton stuff was just... That that was ridiculous to me because, I mean, I, I love the fact that he won mm-hmm. the WWE title in that elimination chamber. Like, when it was down to he and, you know, he was at the end there, and I'm like, there's no way they're going to actually give the title to Bray. Like, there's no way they're going to do it. And then when he won it, I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I was trying to be happy, but at the same time, I'm like, so what's going to happen now? Like, <laughs> I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop because of how badly mm-hmm. they had booked him in the past that part of me couldn't even be excited that he won the title because I'm like, so how are they going to screw him out of the belt now? Like, <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they messed that title reign up. It really was. It's become forgettable now. Um, 43 yeah. days. 43 days he was Well, champion. I thought it was less than that. But, uh, you know, where I, I think, ironically, where I think they, f- they first started to mess him up is I really think he should have won that first WrestleMania match against Cena. I was Absolutely. there live in New Orleans. There, there was no yeah, reason for Cena to win. I was there live. I saw that one live at uh, the Superdome. And uh, he definitely should have went over. The wrong guy went over in that and uh, I believe they're going to try to rectify that uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks of WrestleMania. But even so, I think it, it might be too little too late. I really do. And I will say, I, I love the direction that they're heading with his character, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part now. Because I love the Firefly Funhouse stuff. Big fan of it. And that's a funny thing. My daughter loves the Firefly really? Funhouse skits. Because she thinks that Bray... Mm-hmm. She thinks Bray's funny. She likes Bray Wyatt. She thinks Bray's funny. Like, she's entertained mm-hmm. by Bray and the puppets. She doesn't get some of that background stuff that's going on. She just thinks it's cute, and she thinks the theme is cute, and she likes it. Which is the weird thing, because it when it plays... The Firefly Funhouse mm-hmm. stuff on YouTube. There is children's stuff in the recommended video. Really? I never noticed that. It. 
I did, and it's yeah, so that's very strange. Eerie. It's very creepy. Not <laughs> you mentioned, but I. Uh, <laughs> I notice it every time. I'm gonna have to check that out later tonight when uh, we get done doing this. But uh, yeah, so with the whole Bray Wyatt thing, a character that they kind of ruined, but then he gets new life as the fiend and as, like you said, the Firefly Funhouse Bray, which actually is like two different characters, and they're both great. Right, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde with a Mister Rogers as the mm-hmm. Doctor Jekyll portion of the character, and I mean that's that's one of the things I love about this version of Bray is the juxtaposition of Firefly Funhouse fun loving ha 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 yowie wowie Bray and the Fiend popping up and you know with the crazy mask and putting people down mm-hmm. with the mandible claw fiend Bray. I agree Bray. with you. I absolutely love everything they're doing with Bray, but, uh, I worry that they're going to mess them up. Why they did the original version. I really do. Um, do you think there's any chance that Cena is going to go over in this match in a couple of weeks? I, I at this point I don't think they would do that. I think Cena is pretty much mm-hmm. a Hollywood actor now. He's making all of his money there. He's getting constant, you know, scripts and everything at this point. So he has no reason to mm-hmm. beat Bray Wyatt. He has no reason to go over. His career in his Hall of Fame card is punched. He's done. At this point, he's coming back to give, you know, that stamp of approval to Bray Wyatt for him to move forward. And I think Bray is going to be one of the first feuds after Roman unseats Bill Goldberg. Ah, so you think they're going to do Roman and Bray Wyatt this summer? Yeah. Yes. Heading towards possibly SummerSlam or if it doesn't happen by SummerSlam, Mm -hmm. maybe fall. Like, yeah, I like that feud, maybe uh, for then. But that's a good idea. I could definitely see Bray being one of the first challengers lined up for Roman after he. Because wins according the to uh, Uncle Dave Meltzer and uh, you know all the sites, that was the original WrestleMania match was supposed to be Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt. Uncle Dave, yeah, <laughs> Uncle Dave, Uncle Dave Meltzer. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to ask you one more thing about the whole WrestleMania thing, and then we'll get into the Christmas Y thing, and we'll close out. But uh, what do you think about – do you think uh, Goldberg is going to drop – well, obviously you do if you think it's going to be Roman and Bray. Let's – okay. Do you think uh, Brock is going to drop the title to Drew? Mm-hmm. I do, and honestly, at this point, I think Vince sees the response that Edge has had mm-hmm. so far since he came back, and I've seen some of the rumors and stuff online, and if he can talk Edge into it, I think he's going to try and put the, a title on him. So I think Drew's going to win the title from Brock, but he's just going to hold on to it for a little while, and then Edge is possibly going to turn mm, and take it off him. I've heard that prediction. 
I think it would be an, an, an incredibly interesting way to go with the booking because you've got, you know, all of that feel good moment of, oh my God, Edge is getting a title shot. And then, wait, he cheated to win the title. What? Can I, like... can I tweak that a little bit? What if, uh, what if, what if Drew Absolutely. wins the title? And then um, I don't know how Edge would get a title shot. Maybe he has another match against Randy and he gets a title shot or whatever. What if you turn Drew Hill? Oh. As as Tanner. Because Edge is just so – he's so over right now. I don't know if I would turn Edge right now. I think you can turn him because he's going to be around for a few years anyway. You can turn him later if you want. But I'll keep Edge at faith. That is a good point. Yes. Yes, he's a great a heel. Good I think heel. he's a better heel than he is a face. I I could definitely agree with that. And not everybody has seen mm. some of his best heel work because he's done some of it on the indies more so. So, you know what? Now that you mention it, I would be I think, more so intrigued as with Yeah, a, you can a get a lot of steam. McIntyre, mm-hmm. Especially if he lost you it. You get a lot of steam out of him yeah. as a heel especially champion. Especially if he lost the belt. Or, too, if he lost the belt to Edge and then got... Or, that's even better. That would work, too. Chased for if the he belt. has them both faces. Chased for the belt. And then he turns on Edge. Yes, as like a bitter, angry ex-champion heel trying to get the belt back from Edge, who he views as, oh, the you know, the flavor that you guys are all happy about now because... He just came back, but before that, you know, yeah. you guys wanted me to win the Rumble. Kind of, you can do something similar to Seth, but not to that degree where mm-hmm. Seth Moore was whiny. And <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you can. Uh, you can't put the title on Seth anytime soon. I don't think. Um, no, people wouldn't be into no. that. No, not. I yet. think uh, Seth no. is probably. Uh, I don't know where they're going with this. But probably he's going to end up feuding with Buddy Murphy, probably. I will say, I I do like mm-hmm. the stable that they have together right now. And oddly, it's it's now reminding me that now that I'm thinking of it, since I started playing the game recently, Far Cry 5, there's a main character in the game named Joseph Seed. And he's mm-hmm. a, like a religious cult leader. And... The look of him and his personality bears so much resemblance to Seth's character right now, especially Seth's current appearance where he's got like the leather jacket, but no shirt underneath with the leather glove and stuff. Looks so much like Joseph Seed from Far Cry 5. It's Mm. ridiculous. Yes. Especially when I saw him on Raw recently where he had uh, the... The man bun, basically, uh-huh. up near the top of his hair. And I'm like, damn, he looks exactly like Joseph C. from Far Cry. Yeah, having a man bun <laughs> is such a heel thing to do anyway. Absolutely. Right, and absolutely. And professional wrestling. <laughs> but anyway, um, we're going to get into the uh, the whole Chris Benoit documentary. Um, did you watch it? The, well, the first part anyway. Oh. It's part two is later on this week. Oh, I did actually, and I had 
had the link sent to me. Um, as soon as it showed up on YouTube, a friend of mine had sent me the link and I immediately sat down and watched the whole thing. It was uh, mm -hmm. over 44 minutes, I believe. And I, I loved the first season of Dark Side of the Ring. It was fantastic. And for anyone that might not have watched it yet, I, if you like wrestling, if you like documentary series, it, it is fantastically put together. I absolutely recommend you search out the episodes from mm -hmm. the first season if you get a chance to. But um, back to, you know, this episode. Um, I was good to go with this episode until about um, 30 minutes in. Um, and that's when they started talking about um, mm -hmm. the day Eddie Guerrero passed away. And Chavo, in this documentary, went into more detail than he had in a lot of interviews prior to this. Like, for example, he had talked on, you know, Talk is Jericho. And he had given, you know, some more detail there, but he went into very graphic detail in this documentary where he basically told everybody mm -hmm. that Eddie died in his arms. In no uncertain terms. Yeah. He said Eddie passed in his arms. And hearing him talk about, you know, that primal wail that came out of Chris moments later when he had to call and tell him that Eddie had passed. Like, that's mm -hmm. you know, chilling to the core. Especially if you've, you know, had to talk to a friend after someone else or, you know, someone that you care about has passed and you have to break that news to them. It, it, it you know, hits right. you like you, you wouldn't believe. And especially if they're basically like family to you. It's like a whole nother level. And like I said, that was the part of the documentary where things started to really get serious. And then they start talking about the changes in Chris's behavior and how he started to write in the journal and how he had stayed at um, the house. You know, at, Chris had stayed at, you know, Vicky's house, Vicky and Eddie's house. And he had been crying into Eddie's pillow. He was that despondent over the passing of his best friend. Yeah. Like that detail is, you know, it really gets to, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Emotionally. Do you remember where you were when uh, Ed Eddie Guerrero died or when you heard about it? Uh, yes, I do actually. Um, my brother and I had uh, visited my grandmother and we heard about it there. She was uh, scrolling through her news feed online and had pointed the story out to us. And um, we watched the tribute episode that night. My brother normally didn't watch wrestling, but he sat down and watched that episode with me because Eddie was one of those characters that stood out that much, those personalities that stood out that much, that my brother remembered Eddie, loved Eddie's character. He loved the whole lie, cheat, and steal. And so he sat and he watched the tribute episode with me and, you know, had a beer with me and everything. And he just looked at me. He's like, I can't believe he's gone and he's not even 40 years old. That is just mind-blowing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll tell you something else that's <laughs> mind-blowing. Um, I think he was... Uh... He was 38 when he passed away. So yes, right around the age that we, we are now, 
a couple years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're almost the age that Eddie Guerrero was when he died. It, it, yeah, that's yeah. Um, I hadn't had thought, a thought. Sure. Like a friend pointed out <laughs> to me yesterday, when we were talking about the documentary. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So, uh, you know, when when you, you think about it like that, Eddie was not on drugs when he passed away. Um, you know, he had cleaned up his whole life. No, he was sober and. Uh, it was just the years of abuse that uh that took his toll. His heart was over enlarged, and it gave out him. And that, and that's one of those underlying things that some people don't remember when it comes to drug use, drug abuse, the the ugly side of that kind of a thing. Even if you get clean, get your life in order, sober up, and you're doing well. If you do that kind of stuff for a cumulative amount of time, it will leave residual damage to parts of your body that are vital to your survival. And in this case, it had deteriorated his some of his heart muscles and he ended up passing away from heart disease. That accompanied with, I believe, they did say that at one point he had taken steroids too. So that'll also contribute to mm-hmm. deterioration of his heart muscles as well. I mean, those two things are a cocktail for the unfortunate situation that happened mm-hmm. with Eddie passing away at 38. But uh, the way that it affected Chris, I think it forever like changed him um, in it, mentally. And, uh... Absolutely. And... I mean, with him having, you know, the damage mm-hmm. that they ended up finding after the fact, you know, in his brain, that'll affect that as well. And they didn't... Th- this episode here ended right as everything's being found out about the events that took place in June of 2007 with him... No showing basically an entire weekend of events and then WWE offices calling for the welfare check after talking to Chavo and um, it was the referee, Steve Armstrong and I mean, uh, Scott Armstrong, excuse me, and they ended up doing the welfare check and you know, found the family and this episode cuts off basically at that point, and I'm, as far as I know, the next episode basically gets into all of yeah. the aftermath and particulars, you know, after the fact of basically him being pretty much mm-hmm. ghosted and erased after this. WWE did, uh, let's be honest, everything they could do to distance themselves in any way they could from his name, his legacy, you know. They basically yep. try not to mention him at all. And it makes for the most awkward Royal Rumble video or, packages. Or the uh, SummerSlam where Randy Orton <laughs> won the title. They never show who he won it from or how he won it. They just show him celebrate. Exactly. But that one, the Rumble thing, it particularly sticks in my head every year because of them always mentioning 
two people winning the Royal Rumble from the number one spot. Shawn Michaels and right. They just never mention the other name. Just they just keep going. Like <laughs> yeah. So, are you planning on watching the second part of it? Absolutely. And I love the fact that they were able to get the people they brought in to talk to, you know, in the episode about the subject where they had Chris Jericho narrating and then they were able to bring in Dee Malenko and Nancy's sister, which was an amazing, you know, get in and of itself, I believe, because... Who could give you, you know, more of a unique right. perspective on this uh, whole thing? I had heard her talk her. about it before. I think it had to be on. Yeah, it was on Talkers Jericho. Um, yes, it was. It's a it very um, interesting right. episode uh, to anybody that hasn't. You can search that out. Um, but I always think that one of the biggest tragedies of this whole thing you know, other than, you know, Daniel dying, obviously, because he was such a small child, but the fact that, uh, you know, Nancy was such a talented person, even before uh, she ever met Chris. And and I, I do believe they point that out in this episode, too, that she had, you know, this career before she was ever involved with Chris, you know, as a manager of, you know, multiple different superstars, not just Kevin Sullivan, but she also managed uh, right. Doom and a couple other people, too. So, you know, she had a career outside of just yeah. being tied into the Chris Benoit tragedy. Yeah, she did. Um, and it's, it's one of the, it's probably the biggest tragedy in wrestling for sure and it it's something that uh like this whole coronavirus situation i'm never going to forget it's like a part of and uh, when i think about absolutely my favorite pro wrestlers uh rick flair is my my favorite pro wrestler of all time and uh but probably my second favorite wrestler was chris Benoit. You know, up until that time, and uh, I always remember where I was. I was at work the night the that I found out about it, and I tuned in. I I wasn't really big on the internet then, as far as uh, or I was, but I hadn't searched anything that day. I didn't know anything about it until I um, went on my break that night to tune in for Raw, and. Uh, you know, I just remember being so sad that night. And then the I just was listening to podcasts and everything I could find on it. I was on the internet, you know, after Raw that night. And as Raw was going off that night, that's when the news started to break that, uh, you know, that he was the one behind. And I remember just not being able to believe that. And it took me several days to like, probably longer than days. Probably took several weeks to really process that. Uh, 
Absolutely. And in my case, I, ironically, this is just the weirdest thing because of how they're intertied together. I had actually gone to my grandmother's house when I found out about Chris as well, because she had just recently had surgery and this is two years removed. And, um, she just looks at me cause she writes a newspaper column and she looks at me and goes, Michael, who's Chris Benoit? And I'm like, why Graham, what's going on? And she's like, there's a big news article about him. Apparently he passed away. Mm-hmm. So I'm floored at this point. And this is a few hours before raw. And cause the initial report mm-hmm. only mentioned, Chris I remember that you're right. Passing away. And then, and then it was about an I think it was about an hour later it mentioned that his whole mm-hmm. family had passed away. And that's when you you stop and you're completely like how how did this enti- it, it's not just one person like as a wrestling fan you're sadly used to just hearing about these larger than life characters passing away at sadly these young ages they had statistics about these wrestlers passing away Mm. before you know like 50 years old and but you never hear about the wrestler their wife and their seven-year-old son all being found dead at the same time that's on a Mm. whole absolute other level i had that uh like it right. takes a lot to wrap your um, head around it. I have like, that uh, episode of Raw on VHS somewhere. I don't know if I can still find it, but uh, I recorded it because back then, yeah, I used to re- record like <laughs> every Raw back then. <laughs> and um, especially like the really important ones. And um, I remember that, uh, that was around the time they were doing that storyline where Vince McMahon had uh, faked his death or whatever and blew up the limo. So I remember, right, I recorded yeah, so all that night. In a limousine. That's yeah. why I haven't recorded because I think they were supposed to reveal it or whatever that night, what what he had done. The funeral, it, right. Exactly. It was supposed to be the funeral. And uh, Sherry Martell had died too, like a couple weeks before that. I don't know if you remember that. But, uh, she had passed away, so people were saying yes, that uh, yes. you know that was like bad karma for this whole uh, storyline. Um, for them to do like a, a death storyline was just bad karma, and probably would come back on them. And then this whole thing happened. But uh, if you go, it was anytime. I mean, it was in bad Anytime you do like a storyline based on death, it, it's not a good look in general it's really not and no. um but no. if you go back and watch that raw that from uh, 2007 and you see all of the different wrestlers giving their comments about how they feel and everything if you watch a uh, William Regal when he's talking You can yes. kind of get yes, I was the feeling that him. that's when Thank information <laughs> was uh, first starting to come in because he just said, well, I'm not, I don't really want to say anything. Um, I don't even remember what he said, but it was something to the effect of, I don't really, really want to say anything until I know more or whatever. 
for someone who was as close to Chris and that family as Regal was, he was very vague with anything he said in regards to tribute to the man on that episode. And you could tell he was, it, it, it felt like he was one of the ones that it was the feeling around the room of, okay, something's definitely not right here. And it might've been when, like you said, like when the, the other news had started to come in that maybe he had been yeah, responsible for what had when occurred. They found out about like during the course of them recording at raw, is it how they they discover the news of what had happened? And then on the following night, when they did ECW on the following night, when Vince McMahon came out and said that, you know, Chris Benoit's name would never be mentioned again. And uh, in a way, it wasn't, but, you know, sometimes they slip up and then people mention them here and there. If you go on the WWE Network, you can hear it, you know. Sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Kurt Angle mentioned him at one point for a random example during a uh, 2K18 yeah. press conference. Generally, they, they frown upon it. Um, you know, he's just... I can always... People have a hard time talking about Chris McGuire, but I can always separate the wrestler that he was from the horrible things that he did. And I do believe that he did. I'm not one of those people that think it was conspiracy that Kevin Sullivan killed him. And, you know, I'm not one of those people. I absolutely believe that Chris Benoit, you know, killed his wife and his son. But I just don't, I, I don't think he was in his right mind when he did it. And that's, Exactly what I believe as well. I believe that as has been shown through, you know, the research and everything when they checked his brain after the fact, there was extensive damage to his brain to the point where they believe I believe they said it resembled the brain of an 87 year mm -hmm. old Alzheimer's patient at 40. Yes. Chris was only 40 years old and he was suffering from suffering dementia. from dementia. At Had all the four. concussions. Um, you know, if you want to say steroids played a part in it, okay, sure. But then again, his best friend had just died several months before. And he was still dealing with that. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, yes. Yeah, I'm another friend. He had just lost another friend, as you were saying, a couple months mm -hmm. before that. Rock or rock. It was uh, one of the members of Public Enemy. It was... Uh, was it Johnny Grant? Was well, it was one of them. It was Johnny Grunge that died. Yeah, you're right, right, you're right, you're right. Yes, because Rocco Rock and, died uh, after, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Johnny Grunge was the heavier one, right? So, yes, so it was you lose all your friends or your closest friends in a short amount of time. And uh, Louis Spicoli, too, I think he was close with him, too. Um. I mean, it, yes. it's almost like a form of PTSD when you think about it because I mean and also another friend that he lost who ironically is going to be the subject of another episode this yeah he's close to Orton too Dark Side of the Ring Owen Hart he trained with him 
Yeah, I tried with the Hart family. He was very close yeah. with the Owen and the Hart family. And uh, yeah. what does that do to somebody? You know, losing all your friends or your real close friends. I guess he still had Dean Malenko and Chris Jericho, but it, you know, travel too. But it, it, it does something to you. And then. Right. I mean, after that many occurrences, you know, you mentally and probably you know just you're not the same he was taking person. he was taking drugs that, he wasn't uh probably getting any sleep being on the road and stuff like he was and so all that he definitely wasn't in his right mind and i i really do think uh absolutely not you know a lot played a, a part in it and um it it's a tragedy that uh, we're always gonna, we're never gonna forget as long as we're wrestling fans that we we actually live through that. Absolutely not. And mm-hmm. I mean, I also lived through the Owen Hart thing too, because that happened when I was a kid, when I was younger, and like watching that unfold live and it being all over the news and everything, just like this was. This was another event where this was a professional wrestling story that transcended professional wrestling and became a nationally broadcasted news story because it was not just a sports entertainment thing. This was real life in a real Mm -hmm. situation where somebody really passed away. So it transcended the, you know carny business as some people view it of professional wrestling and became an actual you know national news story so yeah well um i think i got enough mike to uh put together an episode i really we've been talking for over an hour get it this mike you gotta come on again (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm going to be doing a WrestleMania. Well, we know WrestleMania now is going to be two nights. It's going to be Saturday and Sunday. I'm probably going to be doing like a recap show. Yeah. I don't know how we're going to do that. Um, probably like a little bit after, a little bit Saturday night and a little bit Sunday night. And then I'll probably just put it together. Um, if you want to come on, I would love to have you on. You're really good at this. Oh, I would love to talk about WrestleMania. Absolutely. Um, I'm honestly surprised that they're still able to get everyone together to the extent to. Yeah, they're supposed to. Uh, I, I read like the uh, earlier that it's supposed to start this it, Thursday, but they're already like in um, Orlando already. They already got like the, uh, the um, production truck and everything. So they might already be taping uh, some of it already. But before we get off air, how do you feel about that, about WrestleMania? I was supposed to go. I had tickets to Tampa. But um, the fact that uh, I don't even know if I'm going to get be able to get that refunded now. But um, how do you feel about WrestleMania going forward? Uh, do you think that's a good idea or do you think they should have postponed it? Or um, what do you, how do you feel about that? I mean, as I said 
a little bit earlier, it's it's kind of surprising to me that they're able to go forward with it, especially where they've got, I think right now there's mm-hmm. what, at least eight or nine matches they've got scheduled at this point, maybe 10 after this week's Raw. But I, they had to scale it back, but still, now they've split it into two nights. And there's people that have been... And I chuckled at this, saying that they're, you know, biting off of New Japan's mm. idea of splitting Wrestle Kingdom into two nights. And it, it's not really. No, nah, you know, they wouldn't. I don't think they would have done it if. I think know, it's a good idea, though, if you're going to have that many matches be two nights. So I mean? I've been saying that the last couple of years, they should do two nights. Because let's face it, WrestleMania is. Like, I, I love WrestleMania as a wrestling fan, but good lord, it would be a marathon to get through WrestleMania. Yeah, well, I slept through the, I slept through the pre-show, pre-show last year, My God. but uh, I watched the whole show, <laughs> and then um, after it was over with, we did a two-hour podcast after the show. It was like clock in the morning before I went, oh, man, it was such a long night. <laughs> I was so exhausted after that. And uh, I don't think I went to work. Then I think either either I had the next day off or I called out. But it I was just wiped out after WrestleMania last year. I think they should adopt the two nights thing going forward. I don't know if they. I hope they do. Um, if you're going to have it that long, two nights. Uh, New Japan has the right I mean, idea. Yeah, it's not the worst idea in the world because, like I said, getting through the entirety of WrestleMania, especially if you do watch the few matches that they put on the pre-show, it it can be quite long. At that point, you're looking at watching what yeah, seven my, it, hours. It's almost like a full shift. At that like point, a full shift in work. It's almost like an eight-hour thing. It really is. Exactly. And um, sometimes I don't even <laughs> watch that much wrestling in a week. <laughs> Like I watch, uh, I, I always exactly. watch AEW every week. I catch some highlights of Raw and SmackDown, and uh, I mostly will. I'll usually watch NXT, like covering like New Japan or NWA or you know other promotions. But you know the way that I work, sometimes I don't have all, all that much time to watch all that wrestling. It's a lot. There's a lot going on right now. Absolutely. Exactly. And thankfully, in my case, like, having a child can, you know, limit the amount you can watch. But in my case, where she watches it with me, it makes it a little bit easier. Because if she misses something, she will actually ask to watch it to, like, go back and be like, hey, what did I miss last night? Like, she knows when it's on. Uh, I'm glad she loves it so much. That's so cool it, so. that at five years old that, um, you know, that she's really into wrestling. Um, I, I really love that. Absolutely. It's, it, it's cool that right now she, she got her first uh, Funko Pop recently. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, Mushu the Dragon from Mulan. And 
she wants her second one to actually oh, be Bray cool. Wyatt, awesome. the Fiend Bray Wyatt one that they have on Amazon, which I got a huge chuckle out yeah. of, man. I thought it was awesome. Well, we're <laughs> like I said, um, I'm going to do like a WrestleMania. If this thing still goes forward, if no one gets coronavirus and the whole thing gets canceled, um, which could happen. Um, if, if this thing goes forward, I plan on doing like a WrestleMania Pro podcast. Um, probably Saturday and Sunday, I guess. Uh, and then we'll probably just have to put it together. But I would love for you to be on it if you have time. Hey, absolutely. All I right, man. I appreciate it. I'm probably going to put this. Man. Sounds good to me. Uh, probably tomorrow sometime. I'll put it together tonight. I appreciate it, man. This went way better than I thought it would go. You're, you're really good at this. And it didn't cut off one time. That's very yeah, unusual because no, uh, connection at usually all. when I'm talking, it'll uh, cut off like a bunch of times and well, I have like... to edit the whole thing. This will be really easy to put up. Or did it cut off just then? Oh, you're still... Okay, well, I'm, I'm about to disconnect. I thought it cut no, off I'm then. Still here. But um, I, I appreciate you coming <laughs> on, Mike. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Yeah, I'll talk to you later, and uh, I hope you'll come on, um, on here. as, as you, often as you night. can in the future. Absolutely. If you'll have me back on here again. Oh, I'll yeah, definitely, man. set aside some time to come back on here. And All talk right, to I'll you, talk no to you problem. later. You too, man. So that was my conversation with uh, Mike Jensen. I want to thank him for coming on the show. We uh, actually went on a lot longer than I thought we'd go. Um, but uh, we had a lot of stuff to talk about. And uh, I want to appreciate, or I appreciate everybody listening to the show. And uh, please go to share this show. Um, go back and favorite Johnny Knows Best. Um yeah, favor my podcast, and then you too can be on the show sometime. Because I, I can uh, call you and uh, you can get that done. All right. Well, I'm going to start wrapping this up right now and then uh, post this. And then I'm going to be working on episode 57 coming very, very soon. Thank you. I'll holler. <laughs>